When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly, from heaven, there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues, as a fire, appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages, as the Spirit gave them ability. Now there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem. And at this sound the crowd gathered and was bewildered, because each one heard them speaking in the native language of each. Amazed and astonished, they asked, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Phrygia, and Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. In our own languages, we hear them speaking about the God's deeds of power. In unseren eigenen Sprachen hören wir sie über Gottes Machtaden sprechen. Povore egna språk hör vi dem tala om Guds makt död. Ama her dilimiz Tanrı'nın büyük işlerini kendi dilimizde konuşulduğunu işitiyoruz. Nella nostra lingua sentiamo parlare dell'azione di Dio del potere. Wir hören sie in unseren eigenen Sprachen von den großen Taten Gottes reden. All were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? But others sneered and said, They are filled with new wine. But Peter, standing with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed them. Men of Judea and all who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and listen to what I say. Indeed, these are not drunk as you suppose, for it is only nine o'clock in the morning. No, This is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. In the last days it will be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even upon my slaves, both men and women, in those days will I pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show portents in the heaven above, and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and smoky mist. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the Lord's great and glorious day. Then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Hi, everybody. The second chapter of Acts tells the story of how on the day of Pentecost, 50 days after Easter, the Christian movement grew from roughly 120 people to over 3,000. And how Simon Peter, a man who just 53 days earlier was afraid to admit that he even knew Jesus, preached a powerful sermon proclaiming the risen Christ as Lord of all. A sermon that led to those 3,000 conversions. And behind all of that, we're told, was the work of the Holy Spirit, that promised and new way that the risen Lord would be present in and through and with his gathered people, the church. Holy Spirit, coming as wind of God, blowing into the room with power. 
Holy Spirit coming as flame of God, burning with energy and light. Holy Spirit, living water using the image from Jesus in today's Gospel reading, flowing fresh into a dry and thirsty world. In his small catechism, Martin Luther says that the work of the Holy Spirit is to call, gather, enlighten, and sanctify the whole Christian church on earth and keep it united with Jesus Christ in the one true faith. The Holy Spirit gave birth to the church on Pentecost. The Holy Spirit is the driving force and energy of the church's life ever since, including today. Now, most years, since Pentecost is a day on which we celebrate through confirmation the work of the Holy Spirit in the lives of our young people, we tend to focus, or at least I have in my preaching, on the calling and gathering work of the Spirit, how those young people were called in their baptism, granted the Holy Spirit, gathered into this community of faith where that Spirit would work in them to nurture their faith and grow it to a point where at least as much as they could at that age, they could claim it as their own. And even more importantly, promise to continue that growth in faith and to journey with us as members of the church. But this year, since confirmation, like so much else, has been postponed probably until the fall, I'd like to focus instead today on those other two verbs that Martin Luther used to describe the Holy Spirit's work, mainly to enlighten and sanctify, to open our hearts and minds to understand both God and each other, and guiding our lives into new ways of loving God and each other. When you look at it, the story of Acts second chapter really is a story of enlightenment, of the Holy Spirit breaking down barriers of language and culture so that people could come together to worship and to serve. People from all over the Middle East had come to Jerusalem for the Jewish festival of Pentecost, 50 days after the Passover. People gathered there from many different cultures and languages, all of a sudden heard the disciples speaking the good news of Jesus in their own language, in a language they could understand. People's ears were open to hear in their own language and culture words spoken by someone from a very different background than they did. Confusion gave way to understanding. Division gave way to unity. 25 years ago now, back in 1995, as part of a summer sabbatical, I spent two weeks participating in a Habitat for Humanity overseas work project in Hungary, just outside of the capital city of Budapest. Those were the early, exciting years after the crumbling of the Soviet Union when the Eastern Bloc countries were alive with experimentation in freedom and democracy. So, as part of a Habitat work group, I went over there to experience some of that and to help build houses. But because I wanted to stop on the way and spend a couple of days visiting a parishioner who was working during that year in Frankfurt, Germany, I didn't travel from the United States with the rest of the Habitat group. I left a little bit early and spent those few days in Frankfurt before flying on to Prague, where our trip was to begin. 
Now, I was told that someone was going to meet me at the airport in Prague and take me to the hotel where our group would be staying, where I could wait for them to arrive later that day. Well, as you might guess, I got off the airport and nobody was there. There was no one standing there with a sign saying Dan Wilfred or a sign saying Habitat for Humanity or a sign with the name of the hotel, which I had fortunately on a piece of paper in my hand. I was all alone. I didn't speak the language. I didn't know where I was going. I didn't know where the hotel was or how far from the airport it was. So I regrouped. I went over to the money changing window and cashed in a few traveler's checks. Again, it was 25 years ago uh, to get some local currency. And then I went looking for what would be a taxi cab stand, which of course was like a taxi cab stand in pretty much any airport, a line of cars, a bunch of guys standing around them smoking cigarettes. I walked up to that little group and I handed them the piece of paper and pointed to the name of the hotel or what I assumed was the name of the hotel so that I hoped they would understand that's where I needed to go. They had a little conversation among themselves in a language I could not understand. And finally, one of them seemed to indicate that he knew where that was and was willing to take me. So we threw my bag in the back of his car and off we went. It was for me the most foreign and alien, unsettling experience probably that I've ever had. Um, for all I knew, uh, he could be taking me anywhere. He could be taking me to a remote wooded area to take the rest of my money and leave me there. I didn't know. Turned out he was an honest cab driver. Um, I tried to guess as best I could what would be a good tip for what he charged me for the trip, which didn't seem exorbitant at the time. And I met up the group and I've got a million other stories about that experience that uh, won't fit this sermon. But that feeling of just being totally culturally foreign and alien is what the point is. And maybe you've had a similar experience when you've traveled overseas, if you have, uh, or in another culture of just not being able to understand not only what people are saying, but how to behave, what life is like for them uh, in their place and culture. That's probably what the first Pentecost felt like for that group there before the Holy Spirit was poured out. People longing for that gift of understanding and enlightenment of the Holy Spirit. And to be honest, now 25 years later, I sometimes have a little bit of that same feeling now in my own country and with people who speak the same language that I speak. I'm not sure how it can be that the same words in our culture have come to mean such different things to people who basically speak the same language and how the way we use our words and the things we do seems to place us always on one side or another of a wide and widening political divide. So if there is a part of the Holy Spirit's work that I think the Christian church today needs to pray for, needs to receive from God, it is those gifts of enlightenment and sanctification, opening our hearts and minds to understanding God and one another and guiding our lives into new ways to love God and one another. Clearly, it seems to me we need the Spirit's enlightening help 
so that people who are tired of being cooped up and unable to earn a paycheck can better understand people with compromised immune systems or frail senior citizens or others who depend on everyone being careful and cautious about spreading disease. And also so that those who are being cautious can understand the desperation of people who need to work in order to put food on their table and pay their rent or their mortgage. Clearly, we need better understanding from everyone that wearing a mask in public is simply an act of neighbor love and not so much for yourself but for other people and not certainly a declaration of one's political viewpoint. And clearly, as we've seen this week, we need in our country to come to a common and honest understanding of words like white privilege and systemic racism so that people of color are not suspected of crimes because of the color of their skin and certainly no longer executed on the streets because of that suspicion. Clearly, we need the Holy Spirit's enlightening help so that we can return, maybe even get to a better place than we were before, but a world that knows the difference between truth and lies and falsehood, a world that knows the difference and the meaning of words between reality and manufactured conspiracies, a, word that, words that, a world that knows the difference between things like decency and disrespect, honor and crassness, tolerance and overt bigotry. Somehow, even though we speak the same language, it seems like too much of the time the words no longer mean the same thing across our deep cultural divides, whether they be divides of race or gender or wealth or religion or politics. So this Pentecost, as we pray together with the whole church, come Holy Spirit, let us pray for that miracle of Pentecost an end to the confusion of languages and cultures in our world, in our own land, an improved ability to speak to and listen to one another and to understand not only the words, but the lives and experience of people, especially whose lives and experiences are so different from ours. Let us pray today for the Holy Spirit to enlighten us to open our hearts and minds to understanding God and one another and to sanctify us, to guide our feet in new paths of love for God and for one another. Let us pray, blow on us, Holy Spirit wind. Energize us with your fiery presence. Flow through us, river of living water. Do your calling, gathering, enlightening, and sanctifying work for your thirsty people and world. Flood the nations with grace and mercy. Send forth your word, Lord, and let there be light. Amen.